0: Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life, who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance, and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned, we're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another week here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guest this week is Sandy Collier. Now, Sandy is an extremely accomplished horsewoman and has developed quite the resume in Rain cow horse. Some of her highlights include winning the 1993 NRCHA World Championship Snafflebit Fraternity Open on an incredible horse named Miss Ray Dry. In 2011, she was inducted into the Cowgirl Hall of Fame and in 2012 inducted into the NRCHA Hall of Fame. Despite all she's accomplished in the horse world, Sandy has experience in aviation, martial arts, real estate, and therapeutic riding. What is incredible about Sandy is in that all she has accomplished, she still makes time to give back, teach others, and develop the next generation of riders. To learn more about Sandy, visit sandycollier.com. That's S A N D Y C O L L I E R dot com. Now, should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us both on Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here's our conversation with Sandy Collier.
1: I was there to be with her because it was so awesome. She was so extraordinary. Um, and yeah, I'm just so happy to share it with her. And, it, and it's awesome because, you know, we have been good friends and she did work for me and and so that made it even more
0: special it's pretty cool to see how that story kind of comes full circle right i mean the the strong finish and sarah went in the snaffle bit uh was just unbelievable and watching the video circulating right of her family just cheering and you almost didn't even need to watch the run to understand what was taking place i mean the atmosphere that they captured in those videos was a hundred percent electric
1: yeah, I can't even imagine being there. It would have it would have really been something else. Yeah. I was I was kind of devastated because, you know, her I thought of her good horse, the horse she went in so high on, mm-hmm. you know, she didn't get a, a very good cow and I was like, Oh dang it. You know, it's not gonna happen this year and and I forgot about her other horse because she barely made the finals on the other horse and I, so I didn't think he was that great. I didn't watch all the prelims. And then she comes oh my goodness
0: (laughs) yeah you talk about bringing it
1: (laughs) yeah talk about bringing it you know it actually it was funny it kind of reminded me um 2001 i had um she's a shinette and diamond J star and she's a shinette was such a freak she was just such an extraordinary horse and i won the pre on her and then i went to snaffle bit and i won the prelims by seven and a half points. And like, everybody's like, Oh my God, you're going to do it again. Sandy. Yeah, here we go. And Diamond J star was in her shadow all year long. You know, I didn't realize how good he was because compared to her, he wasn't. And, and so anyway, so in the finals, I lost a cow on, on she's a Chinette. I mean, that was it. Yeah. It was the, yeah. And I just, I was so devastated. And that was one of those real life learning moments where I went, wow, you know what? You got to get in the present, get your head in the game and go, you know, swing, swing for the stars, and do the best job you can on Old Diamond J Star. And I went. I had a little chat with him in a stall, and my <laughs> I, I ended up splitting second and third with Bobby Avila on him. And I had got all three stops. I might have wanted it. You know. Well, oh my! Gosh. It's incredible,
0: though, how as a competitor, right? Uh, any any discipline in any sport, not just specifically horse sports. Uh, You definitely have to learn to have a short memory, right? Things go bad. Uh There's plenty of stuff, plenty of variables that aren't controllable on our sake, especially when you're talking about the human, the horse, and and in the rain, cow horse, you got that element of, you know, the cattle to deal with. And uh, just like that, right? Something goes wrong with one horse. And if you got other horses to show, when you carry that over, I mean, you're putting yourself and you're putting your other horses in a really, really bad position with some negative prejudice going into other competitions or events.
1: Yep. And you can talk yourself into a like, you know, you drop behind lead a time or two in a row, and all of a sudden you think you can't change leads. And yeah. I, advise, then you can't change leads. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's true. It is so true. So many athletes, right? It's a, uh, a lot of the game that I say to tell people, right? The the toughest, the toughest distance is the six inches between the ears. And uh-huh. If you can't master and control that, then then it's going to create a whole world of hurt for you.
1: Yeah, and doesn't that just roll all the way back around to being present?
0: It does. It absolutely does. I, I was recently talking with a guest several weeks ago, and we were talking about just that element. So many people and clinicians and trainers, I mean, it's a very popular concept within the the Western industry, the horse industry, right? Being present with your horse. But mm-hmm. I think us as humans, we lose that in ourselves, in our day-to-day lives, right? Outside the lines, you know, without the horses, we just get so caught up in life, right? The laundry list of things to do, the chores, the tasks, the projects, the goals, uh, that sometimes we lose sight of just being present with ourselves and And it's tough because a lot of that stuff can get distracting and overwhelming when those lists and those chores and those goals start becoming insurmountable. But, you know, when you really focus stride for stride and really focus on being present with yourself, um, you can really drudge through a lot and and accomplish a lot. But it's a difficult, difficult task to do.
1: Well, it should be the easiest thing in the world to do. And it is the most difficult because our mind, you know is bent on survival and and thinks it has to do things that it really doesn't have to do and takes us away from that that present moment all the time. Absolutely. And, you know, like meditation, you just have to keep guiding it back. No, 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 back here, now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ain't that the truth. One of my first experiences with meditation, um, several years ago I did one of those float takes. I don't know if you had the experience of doing it. I have not. Okay, so it is a completely soundproof tank. Um, you lay in it and you float. The salinity in the water basically causes you to float. It's almost zero gravity, right? No pressure on your joints, anything like that. But it is dead silent in that chamber. Wow. And uh, I walked in and I told the guy, hey, this is my first time doing this stuff. And they had 30 and 60 minute appointments. And he said, hey, if this is your first time, let's start with 10 minutes. And I'm thinking, 10 <laughs> minutes, come on. Like, let me at least do a half an hour. Right? I can at least do 50% of what, what people normally do. And I swear it must have been two minutes into that thing, and my mind was going a million miles an hour, and it was like herding chickens. It was just all over the place, and it was it was a challenge, it felt great, and it was it was uh, quite the chore to get back on track right, stay present, stay in the moment, but uh it was a huge lesson in meditation that yes, it is a practiced skill, and you do have to stay up on it. it's perishable, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Good stuff. So Sandy, before we get too far into the show, I want to get into a little bit of your history. Obviously, everything Rain Cow Horse is pretty well documented in your story, but let's go through some of the highlights of your journey in Rain Cow Horse and your journey with horses um, and talk about some of maybe the more influential or some of the moments it meant a little bit more to you because you've accomplished so much in the field for so long. Um, we probably don't have enough to go over all those accomplishments. So let's pick out some of the highlights for you. And some of those moments that have been more special than others.
1: Wow, it's it's interesting because some of the uh, some of my biggest accomplishments I don't really think of as really big accomplishments because the success of them was in something you know so mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to say mundane, but it, it it's so here and and some of my biggest accomplishments I consider milestones and how i've grown and who i've become and and then becoming you know those were it seems like a lot more challenging and a lot harder to uh, to actually accomplish so yeah sure we can talk about any of the you know horse achievements that i had but i you know in a lot of ways i'm prouder of some of the growth that i've managed to um experience
0: well, one thing I want to bring up, when we talk about it off air uh, a couple weeks ago, is your resilience, right? And we talked mm-hmm. about how many of the guests on our show have had, we'll say, major traumas or major life changes in their story. And, and that's not necessarily completely true for your journey. However, what I find most uh, appealing to your story is that it has been a series of of many, many small challenges, right? And yeah. coming up in a male-dominated equine profession and Mm -hmm. all that you've accomplished in the arena and not to even mention right everything that you have going on outside the arena as far as you know working as a realtor and author and a pilot i mean you've accomplished so much but the the one profound thing is your resilience right taking those small challenges day in and day out overcoming them and not necessarily ever getting overwhelmed by the resistance of life so what for you has helped you push through a lot of those challenges or make those continual challenges more manageable.
1: Well, those are some really good really good questions and yes, my life has been filled with challenges and I know that I have failed far more than I've succeeded. But I've always tried to learn from you know whatever it was and you know one of the biggest things I learned early on was that if I let failure define who I was, it was going to be a very rocky road in the horse business. So, you know, I kind of started to see that how I handled my challenges had a lot more to do with who I was becoming than my successes ever would. And that that was by staying positive, like not telling myself stories about not being good enough or, you know, all the things that we do, mm-hmm. um, but I'd never make it. Um, but instead to, you know, embrace the lessons and, and look for that pony in the pile of manure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, yeah. The, yeah. Um, You know, I I felt like I I just realized early on that that was going to really increase my chance of being successful. Um, And that single mind shift emboldened me to try more things because though I might not always succeed, I knew I could never fail. And that was huge because, you know, that allowed me to dream bigger and not be afraid to experience the things that came my way and and to keep them in perspective yeah. And and I think that that's that's what has helped me more than anything to to be resilient. Like I think it was Wayne Dyer said, "Change the way you look at things, and the things you look at change."
0: Yes, and, so true. And
1: when I when I finally realized that I could you know change the story I was telling myself about things, and then my life just started to smooth out. And not to be confused, I didn't have less challenges.
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: But I I was developing a better way. <laughs> dealing with them.
0: Yeah, you just carry a more so, proficient skill set. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean challenges are they're gonna come along very regularly in everyone's lives. There's, Absolutely. There's a question. And and the thing is that if you don't pay attention to it and learn the lesson and, you know, not resist it, it just comes back around just a little differently and hits you in the head just a little harder. And and so you know it's just it's actually a, it's a it's a mental discipline it's a skill set but it it like a good muscle it grows stronger with use and you know you find that the the road smooths out and and when it does and your attitude's more positive you tend to either attract better things into your life or certainly it's easier to make the shift to things that yes. are better for yes. you in your life yes yes all kind of dovetails together But I think that that's where, where it started for me was, you know, that realization of not letting myself be defined by failure.
0: It's an incredible concept to learn and understand and pursue. And it definitely is a foundation of this show, right? We, we were founded in somewhat human performance and how the horse was a vehicle to get us back there. Right. Uh And obviously our start was in the law enforcement community and it wasn't a few shows in that we realized that this could be a this could serve a greater purpose within the Western industry as a whole. And mm-hmm. and I think for me, recently, over the last couple of weeks, I had an experience where uh, I grew up playing baseball, was relatively successful in, in that sport. But when baseball came to an end for me, I attached that failure to myself. And you talk yep. about letting failure define you, right? I absolutely 100% viewed myself as the individual as a failure because I did not accomplish the goal that I set out for, right? And part of it was for selfish reasons, right? I wanted the money. Um, I come from a relatively poor family, so it was going to be money to, to have the opportunity to give back, right? Pay off my parents' mortgage was kind of a goal of mine. And because I failed... At doing my job, I couldn't serve my family. I couldn't serve my community. And it was something that I struggled with for many, many years. I mean, I went to some Mm. pretty bad places. And I completely separated myself from the sport. I had buddies that were still playing, didn't go back to spring training, didn't watch it on TV, didn't participate in any of it for years. And it's not only that, not only, excuse me, until, gosh, a couple weeks back, I went down to Arizona and and played in a father-son tournament down there with my father-in-law. It was the first time I had pitched since baseball ended and uh, I was went out and was relatively successful, especially for taking twelve years off. Uh, but it, in reflection and being around the game again, right, being out on the field, being with the boys per se,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I had that. I had that reflection of you know what that I failed at the game of baseball, maybe right. I went farther than most. I didn't achieve my goal, but I personally was not a failure because I didn't reach my goal. If any of that makes sense, absolutely. Um, And it's a tough lesson to learn, you know, baseball ended for me and I chose to go in a different direction in life and kind of swept it all under the rug. But it wasn't until I was back out in this environment a couple weeks back that I was able to put two and two together that, you know what, baseball didn't work out great, but that does not mean that I am a failure because I did not accomplish that goal, you know, and, and what the horse has taught me early on in my journey is that, and the only reason that I was successful in baseball and school and everything that I had done prior to horses, I was motivated by the fear of failing. I just did not want to Mm. fail. That's why I pushed Mm -hmm. as hard as I did. But what the horses taught me is to go out and and seek that failure, find the holes in the game, right? And, and Mm. the small shift in perspective, like you talked about making it an educational experience rather than a goal or task oriented experience has, has opened my mind tremendously, uh, which carries a more positive attitude, which carries a stronger work ethic, which adds to the resilience of my education and my, my endeavors with horses. So, I love that you make that point about not letting failure define you and trying to find the education in, in the challenge or experience.
1: Yeah. And, and it's also, you know, if your focus is on the prize, I mean, yes, that keeps us all moving toward goal, but it's, it's the journey that makes it enjoyable. And, and if we focus on, on the goal and and we let that define us, whether we, well, you know, there's, there's goals and there's goals. Like you can, you can have a goal that within your control that you can work toward. Um, and then there are goals that you have no control over. And if you're going to let that define you, then y- good luck. <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, exactly. You'll never enjoy the journey, which, you know, you, you've just got to stop and smell the roses a little bit. But, you know, I found that if I, if I set goals for myself, I try to set goals that are, are um, able to be controlled by me. In other words, you know, did I have a goal to win the snaffle bit for true? Sure? I think deep down inside everybody does Yeah, but I really absolutely. Didn't I, I didn't think I ever could. but could i could I set a goal for myself to be the best horse trainer that I could possibly be? or you know those kind of goals that aren't you know predicated on someone else's opinion of me on that particular day or mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. the ground being bad or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I think you know setting realistic goals is is really important for people to, develop resilience too because then they can control whether they've achieved them or not and and that gives you a little bit of oomph you know toward, toward that you are more resilient and you don't have to cave in and and make things personal but so so much of of our lives we're focused on on the end and not the the means and and i think that um the journey is just such a rich place to spend our time and <laughs> not out in the future or in the past.
0: It's absolutely true. And and I spoke just last week to another horsemanship group and we talked about successes, right? And for me, I chased a lot of those loft quote unquote lofty goals, right? And then you achieve uh-huh. them, but there's no fulfillment in it. Right. They're and true. for me, it was difficult because I had placed so much visualization, right? So much training, so much preparation, the quote unquote quiet moments that I call, right? When nobody else is around and you're working harder than a dog to try to get there. And -hmm. then you stand there on the podium or you receive the award or the accolade or whatever it is. And it feels good for that moment. And then the very next day you do just, there's not the value, right? It's not as rich of an experience. And for me, it caused me to go inward and start searching. All right. Well, what, I'm trying to plug a hole. What is that hole, you know? And For me, it's a life of service. I really think that's where I'm grounded. I really think that's where God has put me. And Mm -hmm. uh, once you start to understand yourself better, right? And once you start to stay true to your why, uh, those experiences, you talk about those small victories do provide Mm -hmm. value. They do provide momentum, right? They are an inspiration internally to keep you pushing forward. And before you know it, I mean, life happens fast and those lofty goals start start happening, but they're happening with so much more substance than just a trophy sitting on the mantle or a buckle on your, on your waist, you know? Right. So in your journey, I know human performance has become an interest of yours. In fact, a specialty, Mm -hmm. um, a level of expertise. What was your first interaction or experience in understanding human performance and how the mind has so much control of our physical presentation or physical effort?
1: Um, well, it kind of came in small doses for me because, you know, back in uh, maybe 2000, I can't even remember when, but back in about 2000, I started reading about, you know, I think they called it peak performance and mental toughness back then. Um, and and I started, you know, trying to practice it because I, I think I've always known how important our mind is in... in um, the outcome of things, you know, it can have mm-hmm. so much positive and negative on us. It's such a strong, strong force. Um, I think I always somehow intuitively knew that, but I I started really paying attention to it with the advent of all this, um, you know, peak performance, mental toughness. Um, and so that was back in about 2000, but it wasn't really until I partnered up with Barb Schulte and started learning more about what, what she knew about it, which, she was a graduate from the Human Performance Institute back in the '90s, mm-hmm, and then applied mm-hmm. all of that Jim Lair, um, you know, all of his studies and and documentation on on human performance. Um, she started applying that to horses and horse training, and and so together we've we've had a very interesting blend in our in our clinics and our retreats, um, which is really different than a lot of you know the the more scientific like there's a lot of science behind um human performance now lots of science and 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 jim lair has has really spearheaded a lot of that but you know what what barb and i are are evolving for our clinics and our and our retreats is more of a hybrid of of that along with the you know the personal meaning piece Mm -hmm. which is really always been a really important thing in my life so
0: it's exciting to see the industry as a whole. Generally speaking, horses are good for humans. We see all that it does to to heal individuals, whether it be physically or mentally. Uh, but for me, I've really started to dive into a lot of the silent science of how horses physically develop, right? Their relationship oh. with human beings and, and the science behind it. And it's nice for me to start seeing some credibility to the why. I think oftentimes yes. in this industry, we've always been told, "Well, hey, you do things this way," because one cowboy told another cowboy, told another cowboy, or trainer told another trainer, told another trainer, told another trainer right? And just because we use the adage, "Well, we've always done it that way," doesn't necessarily make it right. And yeah. and for the credibility to come through science and start telling the story as to what the why is and why all the success is taking place, to me, it's it's exciting, you know. And I'm
1: it is right
0: now. I don't know if you've read. I'm in evidence based horsemanship. It's just exciting to see have a better understanding of what's going on between the horse's ears, right? When we have our external influence in trying to work and train, train a horse. Yeah. So now let's, I'd like to talk about some of your more influential horses that you've had in your career and some of the lessons learned through, through the journey with those individual horses.
1: Well, Mr. A dry was probably the first really, really good horse I had. It was the first horse that I had a client that had enough faith in me to, you know, give me a certain amount of money to go find a horse that I felt like, you know, I could do really well at the Snaffle Bit fraternity on. So that mm-hmm. was a pretty big deal. And I, I, um, searched high and low. I mean, it wasn't like I had a blank check. So, um, <laughs> you know, I had to, I had to find, well, I had to find a good deal and, and I had to find a really good horse. And so she was probably the first one in my cow horse life that, that was really, um, really amazing really taught me a lot and that i actually had you know a significant amount of success on and and you know the lessons that she taught me were were awesome in that um you know i would say that she was maybe the the beginning of raining smoothing out in the rain cow horse because she was such an elegant mover and you know, I you, you know you know how when you go back and you watch like the charities that happened like thirty or so years ago, like you go back to the raining furries, you think, oh my goodness, we come a long <laughs> way, you know. Wow, it's almost yeah. embarrassing to look at some of those old videos and yeah. think that we thought that that was good then, you know. Yeah. But when I look back on on her like her rain work, it was I'm still proud of it, you know. Um, and so, it, and and it just gelled with with my style um, and helped me to learn to you know, leave my horses alone more and let them do their job and, and be good at the things that they're good at. And, you know, it's not a cookie cutter approach. They are so all such individuals and, and to, you know, treat them that way. And um she just, she really stepped up my program a lot other than, you know, this is the success I had winning the fraternity honor, but she helped me so much as a, as a horse trainer and as a human being to, to really appreciate a really good horse and, and what they can teach you, not what you can teach them. I mean, they basically kind of come. All you have to do is is smooth out the rough edges and help them learn. You know, it's not like you teach a really good horse anything.
0: That's funny. So,
1: yeah, so so that was really significant. But the other really significant part was, um, like you were just saying, when I won the fraternity honor, it was pretty exciting being down there on the floor of the arena and the champagne and everybody, you know, but then I, when I left, I was back in my tack room having to break it down all by myself and pack up the trailer mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all the hard work and I'm driving home and I'm thinking, wow, that was interesting. Like I spent two years of my life, you know, perfecting this, this performance and, and, and then I did it and I won the scraping thing. And now I'm like, well, here I am. You know, it was yeah. just such a shocker. Um, because, you know, most all of us think that, you know, we'll be happy when, you know, we have a good horse, we win an event, we find the right man, we buy a new house, we, whatever it is. And, and so, you know, it's no big surprise now that it didn't bring me happiness, but it sure was then. And yeah. And, um, so anyway that kind of started me on a, on a path of well you know if that isn't what brings you happiness then you know what does and and the realization that it doesn't come with an achievement but it's an inside job you know it's, yeah. it's not a destination and and so so inadvertently she started me on a path of of a way of being where, where I have more appreciation and gratitude and looking for that pony in the manure pile and, mm-hmm because what i started learning was is the more i appreciated things good bad and ugly and if i could just be a little bit grateful every day then amazing things started to happen in my life so um that that was pretty amazing like she set my my course as a horse trainer uh helped me with getting a tremendous amount of recognition helped me learn so much about helping horses learn and then changed my life internally because i realized that that didn't bring me happiness and if that didn't what did so she kind of set my feet on a lot of different paths so i would say she's pretty significant
0: it's incredible to see all the success the horse brought outside the arena per se right and you yeah. talk about the big win right but there's so many there's so many versatile life lessons that these horses offer us and and one concept that i talk about quite frequently on the show is like how do we we as horse people, right? How do we develop that skill set in others? How do we help other individuals to have that level of awareness, right? Because I'm sure plenty of people have ridden great horses and every year people have success at the Snaffle Bit Futurity, right? But for you to pull away that much more as far as gratitude and attitude and understanding progression and giving back, I mean, it's a, uh, I guess it's difficult to put words or concepts around, but when you definitely feel it, you know it.
1: Yeah yeah and I'm not sure that I mean horses do allow people that are ready to change they do help them change, but I don't think that if a person isn't ready to take that step that horses are gonna change their lives
0: yeah yeah i and, I just think it's an incredible vehicle in the sense that yeah, absolutely yeah it's because a- it's
1: so it it helps it expedite the process you know I watch it in our therapeutic riding program. I've been involved in that for years because I just see magic and miracles happen there every day. And I mean, it just, it expedites the process. If, if the
0: person's willing, I guess in the proper position. Yeah. 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 You do have to be willing to accept that lesson. And, and I'll, I'll tell you for me, just the time, the timing was right on so many levels with my experience with horses and my education and journey with horsemanship and where I was at in life that, you know, we, we always poke fun, like you tell your friend, hey, let's go down to the psychologist today. You know, they're going to look at you like you're an idiot. Like, it's 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 <laughs> a, it's far too threatening, right? Especially if you're not in the right yeah. place. But when you yeah. ask your friend, hey, let's go down to the barn or let's go work some horses today, uh, they'll be a little bit more receptive to that. And I'm not saying that the horse replaces modern medicine, but, but the approach is a lot more passive and, and it... And it helps the individual find themselves, I think, with greater success. At least that's been my experience uh, personally and and working with others.
1: I totally agree with you.
0: Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your clinics and retreats and what you have to offer with Barbara Schulte. Uh, Uh Let's talk about the different, maybe different programs, the length of the programs, kind of what the programs offer in general terms. And then we'll get into how people can enroll and become more involved.
1: Um, Well, Barbara and I both do our own clinics still she still does um cutting clinics um several times i don't don't know actually how many times a year she does those but and i still do uh, my cat horse and raining clinics um frequently but we have teamed up and we do offer we call it be unstoppable that's our our motto and logo and our website is even be unstoppable.us um we offer clinics and we offer retreats and the clinics um she She teaches you know how to get cows cut and and the cutting part of the clinic. I teach the cow horse um the rain work portion and then you know boxing or box drive boxing or going down the fence you know whatever we we we've gotten pretty good at uh tailoring our our clinics to the level of the rider you know in other words, meet your horse where you are now yeah, and we'll move step because we we do get all different levels of horsemanship and and of horses so um so anyway we spend the the first day is um a mental skills workshop where we're not horseback and barb teaches a lot of the information that she learned from dr jim lair at the human performance institute we do um we watch a, a you know several videos of different runs and and i talk about increasing your performance from a judge's point of view, because I, I do judge quite a bit. Um, and so we, we watch run content and, and, and go over like, what it would take to get that run up another point you know to the next level mm-hmm. uh, and, and what the judges are looking for. So that's all part of the, the workshop the first day. And then we spend the next two days using those skills that we learned while we're riding, while you're cutting cattle with Barb, while you're going down the fence with me, um, that's kind of what we do in the in the clinics. They're three days long, mm-hmm. uh, and then we have a retreat each year. And I, we're going to start having more. We just haven't found other locations. But the retreats we we have had are on guest ranches that have that are exceptionally aesthetically pleasing, like just beautiful, beautiful places that have pretty decent horses to ride for the dude horses. And it's, it's more of a relax, rejuvenate, connect with other women. The retreats are for women only. And most of our gals are like in their sixties. Um, and, and it's an interesting time of life for that demographic because most, you know, the kids have grown up, they've gone away. Um, you know, spouses die, divorces happen, but it's a, it's a time when, when women seem to turn to other women to connect and bond. And maybe they actually have time to do things like that because they've worked their whole lives and now they don't have to. So
0: (laughs) yes, all the other demands of life start to slow down a little bit.
1: Yeah. It's a little bit more about the journey and the connection and, and enjoying other people. But the the common thread is that we all love horses. Mm -hmm. That's, that's who our people are. And so, you know, you automatically have a, a kinship and a bond with, people that you've never met before because because the horse is at the bottom of it and Mm. so that's another special way that that horses you know connect us um so anyway we spend um that's a those are four days and and we spend you know time together we call it in the boardroom where we do some personal meaning pieces and and then we um trail ride in these amazingly really, beautiful places and then we usually have a have some cattle and we ride the dude horses and we work on teaching them to turn around and change leads and work cattle and it's just a hoot because you know we're all really good riders and here we're riding these dude horses and it's just it's, <laughs> it's really it's really a lot of fun
0: good stuff so i want to talk about and transition into. All that you've accomplished in this world, right, and we talked about this a little bit before, right, with with some individuals, as soon as we start achieving elite levels of success, in some cases, there's a, le- a level of entitlement that comes along with that, right? Mm-hmm. And people put themselves on a pedestal for whatever their own reasons are. Um, but what I feel is most admirable for you and your situation is you've always had a desire to give back and a willingness to give back. You made incredible efforts to give back. So for you in your journey and all that you've accomplished, where do you find the need to help the next generation or help the next set of riders coming through, whether it be rain, cow, horse, or life in general?
1: You know, I've always sort of had that gene. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. to give back. No, I absolutely, yeah. Um, because I've always felt like you know life's kind of um, you want to keep your life in balance. So if you're if you're lucky enough to have good things, then you need to you know keep that keep that scale balanced. Or or you do get very entitled and very uh, you know your learning kind of stops because you get thinking that you're somebody you're not. And, yeah, very true. Um, and I found that it's really grounding to to give back and share. And so as a trainer, I always, um, with, with my assistants, you know, I always spent a lot, a lot of time helping them hone their skills. And that was, you know, one way of giving back. And, you know, the, the hard part about that. And the reason most trainers don't want to do it is because your assistants always leave and they usually take clients with you. And Mm -hmm. it's like kind of a bit of a slap in the face, but doesn't, that's not a reason not to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. if you want to have good help, you have to help them be good help. So, so I've just kind of always been that way, but maybe even more so after I started, um, coaching after, you know, getting my life coaching, um, business going, because I saw how, well, first of all, it's, it's sort of just something that, that happens. It, it's like organically happens that you start giving back more when you start coaching, because it's such a, um, it really opens up a two way flow in in your life organically. And so, um, so it, it started happening anyway, but I, I just, because of, because of coaching, I got where I was enjoying my life more and it made me want to help other people um, help them enjoy their lives more and kind of even more paying it forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely.
1: Yeah. You, just, you get knowing kind of how the universe works and, and if you pay it forward, it always comes back. So, um, it was sort of an evolutionary process. It didn't just like happen overnight, but I oh, think I always, not. yeah, I think yeah. I always had.
0: To. I think for me, I start as as you go through life, right? You start to become older and you take on all these different obligations and different chapters in life. Uh, those, as I progressed through those chapters, I started to reflect on when I was younger, right? And the coaches mm-hmm. that poured into me and the trainers that poured into me and understanding being a little bit older now, and then understanding gosh, the sacrifices these people made to come uh-huh. out and pour into me, like they didn't owe me anything for nothing, yeah. right? And for them yeah. to make those sacrifices and carry me as far as they did, uh, I personally felt indebted. And then you talk about, you know, having the quote-unquote secret, right, and holding on to it. Um, for me, the horse provided incredible successes, incredible chapters being written in my book. And, and if I could help somebody else experience it, Right or inspire them to write their own chapter. Uh, I just personally felt obligated to to pass it along, you know. And and it has been an incredible journey. You talk about paying it forward. Uh, Most people who get into the life coaching business or any coaching in in general, right, Uh, it's because they have the passion, the fire for for people's success. It it is a people profession, right? We don't do it for the selfish reasons because you're going to get goodwill back. That's not guaranteed. Does it happen in most cases? Absolutely. I think of all the opportunities that I've been granted through the horse and through the Western industry, it's just absolutely incredible. And it's stuff that I never even dreamt would even happen. It was a world that I didn't even know existed, but you just go out and work as hard as you can and take care of the next human being as best as you have given your skill set. And before you know it, these doors start opening and it's just, I don't know, its I'm forever grateful.
1: Yeah it is amazing where where horses have taken you well for you for instance or for mm-hmm. me you know, mm-hmm. the, the countries and the people and the yeah. experiences and the richness in our lives and the connection with other people the uh, immediate connection you have with somebody when you meet another horse person like yeah. it's just they're just so they're so amazing yeah. it's and yet and it's such a good organic way of life like mm-hmm. You know, if you have to get up and feed that horse or you have to be up in the middle of the night because he's colicking, you got to do it.
0: Yeah. You, don't, you don't have a choice.
1: <laughs> over your head and go back to bed. So you learn early on, and, and that, you know, I was lucky because I had horses early on. You learn early on that it's not all about you. Yeah. You know, you go out in the pouring rain and shovel the poop and feed the horse and. And, and so I think that that's just so helpful for, for people to learn. Hey, you know what? It's not all about you and your video games and you doing what you want when you want. There are other people and animals and things that require you to, you know, be a bigger person. and yeah, be involved, be invested. Yeah, yeah.
0: So... What do you have to offer as far as your coaching business, right? We've made reference to it a few times over. How can people get more involved in, in understanding what you have to offer in the realm of life coaching?
1: Well, it's actually something that I just do because because really I enjoy it. I I do have a business, but it's a small part of my business where I coach individuals. And probably if I was smarter and a better business person, I would – do group, do group coaching, because like clinics, when you group coach, everybody gets to learn from everybody, just like in a clinic. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a much better use of time, but, um, but I'm not, and I'm not a very good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel you in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so I, I pretty much just coach on an individual basis. And, and life coaching is something that is done over the telephone. You seldom even seldom know your coach and you mm-hmm even less frequently meet them. Um, yeah. it's, it's all just done on the phone, which works really well for me because in the evenings I, yeah, I usually have some time. And so I have, you know, a number of people that I coach and, and it's like usually an hour long conversation. However, many times a month the person feels they need or want it. And the, the interesting thing is it's a hard business to keep going because coaching is so effective that people get feeling better so much faster that, they don't need you anymore. Yeah,
0: you're in the business of putting yourself out of business.
1: <laughs> yeah, kind of. And, and that's a really good thing because, Absolutely. you know, people that I've coached like long, long time ago, they'll call me, oh, you know, because of you, you know, this and this happened and I think about you all the time and I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome. But, you know, for me, when, when someone has an aha moment or learns something or, you know, overcomes a problem or a challenge, it's, it's, as, it's as rewarding for me as it is you know, exciting for them. It's like, incredible to watch. Yeah. I just dig it. Yeah. And that's why I love, that's another reason I love horses because people, you know, they get a certain skill that they've been working on and they're so excited about it. And it's almost, it's just as good as if, if it had happened to me.
0: you Yeah. Know? Yeah. It is incredible to watch that progression and that legacy take place. And I think back, so gosh, I was maybe four or five years removed from baseball and I was asked to go back and coach at a junior college, specifically pitching. And this pitching staff needed help, I guess. That's a very kind description of the staff in a, in whole. And to go out and work with these young athletes, right, and just introduce very, very, very fundamental pitching skills. And then them go into their spring season and just achieve unbelievable success. And watching these kids walk in the dugout and just blowing up in, in joy. Uh, it was incredible to watch, you know. Wow. I never I never towed the rubber for them, right? I never threw a single pitch. My day had come. But I was taught some things that, that helped me and I passed it along to these kids that a lot of them truly felt hopeless. Like they thought baseball was just a waste of time and it was something that they did because their parents wanted them to do it or it's something they've always done. But then for them to find a little life in their careers so late in their collegiate seasons, um, or collegiate progression, it was, it was incredible. You just get so, so darn excited for them.
1: That's, that's fantastic. And just, I mean, that makes it worth every, every moment you put into it. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So where are some of the media outlets that individuals can find or learn more about you? I know you have a website and social media and things of that sort, but if you kind of you explain to listeners what some of those websites or what the easiest way, I guess, to reach out to you would be.
1: Yeah. And I have to apologize for that too, because I'm just not, I have just not ever spent that much time in social media yeah. and I know how important it is, but I'm a dinosaur. Um, Barb, Barb and I have a web, website that's beunstoppable.us, and we also have a Facebook page. Um, I have a website, sandycollier.com, which I don't update regularly. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a Facebook page that I that seldom go on. I'm so bad. Um, but I have a phone number, and anybody that wants it can have it. So <laughs> I, uh,
0: I operate under the same exact mantra. Do I have a website? Absolutely not. Do I have social media? Yes. Is it updated? Next to never. Uh, We usually get a post or two out a week uh, on an updated show, but uh, for me personally, life just gets so busy, right? I don't have the time to sit down and A, I'm not that good at it, right? So it takes me a lot longer to put out a post, but um, I'm just busy doing other things. There's other seasons of my life that require me right now, so i get it it's when it comes to uh...
1: hole. facebook <laughs> is a black hole like every once in a while i'll go on it and then two hours later i'm like what happened
0: <laughs> i did that just last night i was gonna go look something up and then yeah i was about 15 minutes in i'm like well, what did i even show up here for in the first place
1: <laughs> yeah so i have to apologize for that but
0: <laughs> good stuff so Sandy, as we wrap every show, I like to ask a question around legacy, right? So for you and your journey, whether it be personally, professionally, what is, what is a life lesson that has meant something to you? And what would you like to pass on to the next generation coming up behind you?
1: Wow. You know, I've talked about a lot of the life lessons that I've been lucky enough to have had. I think one of the one of the things that that I have learned that has been really valuable to me, and we've touched on it a few different times is the bloom where you're planted. Yeah. You know no matter where you find yourself, if you can be grateful to be there, find something good about it and dig in one hundred and ten you know you will bloom, you will thrive and and by doing that, lots of doors open up and and a very you can have a very, very different experience um, than if you resisted it or hated it or you know were unhappy there or you know told yourself stories about why you were there or, or whatever and and then moving on can be so easy um and another thing that that I've learned that I used to study aikido which is a martial art and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and our sensei used to say like when you're pointing your finger at somebody like you know just go ahead and do that point your finger yeah. like you're pointing at somebody there's three fingers that are pointing back at you
0: Whoops. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, and those are the three things you really need to be paying attention to. And
0: yeah. and
1: um, I I always think about that when I'm like blaming or pointing my finger at somebody or saying it's something else. I always go, Eww. yeah, this is gonna hurt. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and when you when you really start to take responsibility for your the effects that you create and you know what's happening in your life things really start to change. Um, so that, that's, was another really, really huge one. Um,
0: yeah, you bring uh, up great points because I'm, I'm about as guilty as it gets, uh, when you talk about just starting where you're at, right. And pushing on from there because, uh, I'm as guilty as it gets when it comes to, I call it, you know, paralysis by analysis. I think about what's my plan going to be? What are the 75 contingencies going to be if any of those first ones fail? And I find myself many months down the road, not really getting anything done because I spend so much time thinking about the plan and the goal and how I'm going to achieve it rather than, Hey, just take the first step and see what happens. And when you take the second step, make it based on the decision of the first step. Right. Uh, And that's something that I've tried to work on. Uh, the last probably year, year and a half is that if you want to do something, just get out and do it. And it's not going to be perfect. And you're probably not going to have all the successes right out the gate. But the growth that takes place in failure, in the challenges, in the difficult times is really the important life lessons that are going to stick versus trying to pave the golden road. It just does not exist in life. Perfection is not a thing.
1: No, excellence uh, <clears throat> is, but perfection never will be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and when you talk about, you mentioned it very, very early on in this show, right? Uh, failure is going to happen and it's going to happen a lot, but you just need to get back in it one more time than you fail, you know? Yep. And that's going to keep the progression pushing on. And for me, it's been an incredible, incredible journey to learn and, or excuse me, an incredible lesson to learn in my journey. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about the analogy of pointing and having three fingers facing back at you, when people can really... Understand accountability in a non threatening manner, right? It's, uh-huh. it's incredible what ownership of your situation can do. I mean, you talk about developing momentum in the realm of inspiration and focus and desire and passion. Uh, I think early on, it's very hard for people to admit that, man, maybe I do have an influence and maybe it is a negative influence on this situation. But when you really take control of that and understand that you can, you can write your ship. No matter where it, it is, right? But like you, you said, can. you have to start now. Uh, accountability and ownership is a big, big deal, and it's very, very liberating in any process, whether it be horses, whether it be life, whether it be any given per- profession. You know, yeah. um, it's it's incredible it's- when you really dive into the sciences behind ownership, accountability, and and failure.
1: Yeah, you know when you were when you were talking about your analysis paralysis by analysis um i was thinking you know back when i was learning to fly you know they always tell you you know you've got to drill on all the things that can happen so that they just you know boom 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 if it happens you know you you're on it and and that's i mean that is a very very important part of life is planning for or at least you know considering all of the things that could happen and you know how you would handle them but but if you dwell in that, then when you're actually flying, you can't enjoy the flight, you know?
0: <laughs> exactly. And so,
1: and so I, you know, I would, and, and same thing with with horses. Like, I mean, I I trained for every eventuality, every possibility that could ever happen. But when I go to the show, I I'm only thinking about the good things that are going to happen. You know, my mind is focused on that, but but I've trained for all the others. My muscle memory and my horse's training will take over if if one of those, weird things happens, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but I'm not planning on them happening. When I go to the show, I try to be as positive as I can. So, um, so that, that kind of came to mind when you were talking. And then the other thing is, is something that Greg Ward used to always say, uh, for those of your listeners that don't know, Greg, he's just a fantastic trainer, a fantastic man. And just one of those guys that was kind of seeing it the way it really was way before, way before anybody else was. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was, if you can improve your horse 1% a day, in 100 days your horse will be 100% better. Yeah. 1% a day is nothing and you know that kind of ties in with life coaching. It's like these small steps, just these little steps can make such a significant difference in the outcome. Like if you back to flying, you know, if if you if you start off and you're like 1 degree off course over a period of, you know, hours or miles, you know, however you want to look at it, you can end up in a different country. I mean, yeah. it's just little, little significant steps. And that's what coaching is all about, mm-hmm,
0: is mm-hmm.
1: helping people take little steps towards a different life. Yeah. And, and horses I, make it so doable, like little, little steps with a horse, you know?
0: Absolutely. You, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what the show was, right? I I, I was going through yeah. some things in life, and and it was very, very minute changes in perspective alone that had those profound impacts, you know, I, oh. I made a small foundational change in how I viewed a situation. But when I reached the end, right, the resolution of whatever that situation was, I was miles off course for the better, right, versus going uh-huh. down the road of disaster. And so uh, it, was, it was in talking with one of my mentors that, hey, we got to get this out to people in another medium, right? And the, generally speaking, the horse world is a little bit behind in the technology world. But you know, that started the formulation of the podcast and we start talking to all different writers from literally all over the world and all different disciplines and all different backgrounds. And uh, that was our hope is that maybe somebody hears that one, that one sentence, that, that one, one word, that one message, right?
1: In a different direction. Yeah.
0: And gone. There they go. And it's just been incredible. Um, I consider myself a steward of this information. This isn't my genius idea. I'm not quite intelligent enough to be (laughs) to be put in that realm (laughs) Um, but it's been it's been incredible to have guests of your caliber Uh, never in a million years should we or would we have crossed paths you know but when we start to focus on the human and have that genuine care for our fellow man it's incredible to see how everybody just comes together for a common good
1: it really is and i think what you're doing is is just wonderful because it's it's such an inspiration to so many people and like you said if if somebody hears one thing in a podcast that can change their life yeah wow yeah
0: let's do it why yeah. not it's definitely worth the effort on many many yeah. levels yeah well, Sandy, I thank you very, very much for all of your time um, and contributing to all of us here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If there's anything that we could ever help you with for future endeavors, please do not hesitate to reach out. We'd love to get behind you and support all that you have going. It's incredible to see all the mastery that you've accomplished in your life and, and such an inspiration to so many people on so many levels and so many disciplines. Well, thank
1: you. <laughs> thank you. I mean, that's that's a lot of compliments and I really appreciate it. I just want to say to everybody it's that it's just never too late to be what you might've been. So, you know, don't wait another day. If you want to make changes in your life, you can do it one step at a time.
0: Yeah. Go for it.
1: Yeah. You can't fail.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's true.
1: You can can only learn. There's only, there's only learning.
0: Absolutely. All right, Sandy, Well, we will talk to you down the road and we can't thank you enough.
1: Great. Thank you,
0: Jason. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for riding along with another episode of Let Freedom Rain podcast and being part of our freedom family. If you want to provide greater support of this show, visit patreon.com forward slash let freedom rain podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash let freedom rain podcast. And rain is spelled R-E-I-N. There you can provide a donation, and it costs less than the fancy cup of coffee you're probably holding, to help us produce free weekly content. For collaborations, to book us as a guest for your next event, or to make guest recommendations, email us at info.lfrpodcast at gmail.com. For the most up-to-date information on Let Freedom Rain, visit our Facebook and Instagram page at Let Freedom Rain Podcast. Additionally, you can find us on Twitter at Let Freedom Rain underscore. We cannot thank you enough for being our most loyal listeners, and we'll see you on the next one.